back to the AIM podcast. Today we sit down with special guest, two-time Leadville 100 trail race winner, Adrian McDonald. In this episode, you get to hear about Adrian's background and what ultimately motivated him to start running ultras. He shares his stories, his experiences, and he talks all about his time running the Leadville 100. You guys are going to love this episode. It's super interesting and Adrian's a great guy with a ton of interesting things to talk about. But before we dive in, if you are someone who is struggling with sleep, someone who wants to improve your gut health, or someone that just wants to become an overall more healthy person, Kaizos is the product for you. You need to go head to kaizos.co, K-A-I-Z-O-S.co, and check out our Sleepy Time Recovery Cocoa Mix. This is a one-of-a-kind product that is completely all-natural, free of CBD and melatonin, and is truly amazing. It tastes great, but the benefits you will get not only from your sleep, but your gut health, your immune system, and your muscle recovery are through the roof. So guys, make sure you go check it out. And if you use code AIMPODCAST at checkout, you'll get 25% off your first order, and I promise you will not regret it. Let's dive right into this episode. Without further ado, Adrian Adrian, thank you so much for coming on the AIM podcast. Yeah, I'm excited. Thanks for having me. I'm super pumped to dive into a lot of cool things that I want to talk to you about. But before we dive in, how many miles have you run today? I did 13 and a half. Um, <laughs> but it was with 30, just under 3,500 feet of elevation gain and loss. So it was about two hours, 20 minutes. That is crazy. So you did a half marathon, basically up straight up a mountain. <laughs> uh, I went up the mountain twice. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's awesome, bro. Yeah, for those for those listening, I don't think I think most runners that run on traditionally flat surfaces don't understand how challenging the elevation is and and what that does, and especially already being in Colorado where you live. Um, but man, that's a that's an awesome workout. Did it go well? Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it was beautiful out this morning, um, and I had a friend with me, so that always helps. For sure, yeah. I was uh, I was kind of preparing for this episode, you know, figuring out different topics and questions I want to ask you. I was looking at your website, and I didn't realize this, but you actually post your runs every day on your website. Is that correct? Yeah, there's like a little, I think a widget or something that connects to my Strava Um so yeah, you can find it on Strava or on my website. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. yeah I so, try to be pretty um, transparent with everything. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I think if anyone listening needs a little extra motivation, just go look at Adrian Strava and you'll, uh, you'll get all the motivation you need to get out and go move around a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So cool, man. Well, listen, I want to, you, you know, for, for the people listening, I, I would like for you to share a little bit more about your background and kind of just early days for you growing up and honestly what kind of got you into running uh again just kind of setting the context you know you've been tremendously successful in ultra running uh winning winning the last two Leadvilles and and having I think if, if I misquote anything please correct me but having the, the third and fifth fastest time on the Leadville course which is an incredibly um just amazing accomplishment but I'd love to hear more about your early days of like what even got you into running you know before all this amazing success you've had yeah, so um, I think I actually bumped my 
fifth time down to sixth this year. So I think I have third and sixth. Um, okay. <laughs> but it was fifth at the time. So I started running um, really in sophomore year of high school. Um, I played, I went into high school wanting to be like football, basketball, baseball player, um, but I wasn't even five foot tall um, as a freshman. So I sort of failed at all, all three of those. <laughs> and then my sophomore year, I switched to soccer in the fall and the soccer coach was the indoor track coach. And it was sort of expected that if you weren't doing basketball or another winter sport, you'd go out for indoor track. So I went out for indoor track my sophomore year and, and sort of fell in love with the self-improvement part of the sport. Um, especially when you first start, like you improve like every single, every single race, you're getting faster and faster. And I also liked how team sports are great, but um, you always need someone to practice with. And with running, it was like, I can, if I want to be really good at this, I can, it's all on me. Um, and so those are sort of the two things that I fell in love with right away with running. How important was, you know, you talk about being a new runner, you had so much you know, potential to continuously improve and see that progress. How important do you think that was for you, like mentally, psychologically to see those gains? And do you think that kind of fueled your your drive to continue to pursue it? Yeah, definitely. Like You just see every, like I said, every single meet you get a, you run a race and you get a time and it's, especially when you're first starting out, it's usually faster than, um, than the week before. And I remember the first, so I did indoor track and then I went on to outdoor track and I remember um, there was finally like a race in the middle of the outdoor season where I didn't improve and my coach was like, yeah, you can't always improve every single time. Um, sometimes you like plateau a bit, but um, yeah, at the start, it mostly is sort of you're going up and getting faster and fitter every every time. Yeah, it's so it's sort of, um, I don't know, it makes you think that you can do anything if you keep going at it. Totally. And so how did that kind of that progress transition you up the ladder? Obviously, it took you to college, ultimately, where you ran, you ran in college. And then that's when after that, that's when you kind of got into to running ultras. Yeah, so I went on to Gettysburg College in Pennsylvania, which was D3. There I picked up cross country. So then I started running year round. Um, and I was like pretty successful there for like where I had come from high school. So I ran 440 for the mile in high school and then ended up running 412 in college. Um, <laughs> which was pretty good for D3. Um, and then after college, I transitioned to road races. So I started running uh, marathons. I think I did seven road marathons. Um, I ran Boston three times and then a few others. Um, and my best on the road marathon was 225. Wow. Um, which was also like pretty good, but not, um, I was still like an amateur just doing it because um, I loved it. 
Yeah. And so yeah, then um, I was training for the Boston Marathon in the spring of 2020. And then obviously COVID canceled that. And that's when I sort of, there's still some trail races going on because um, they're a little smaller and they're out in the woods and I don't know, maybe people didn't care that they're going on. Um, so that that's when I sort of decided that like, I wanted to jump into ultra trail races as the summer of 2020. And, and up to this point, you had never really done, you know, a greater distance than a, a normal full length marathon of 26 miles. Yeah. So I decided summer of 2020 that I wanted to run Leadville 100 the following <laughs> summer. And yeah. I hadn't run an ultra marathon yet. What was it about Leadville specifically? Obviously, you know, in the running community, it's it's a very recognizable, very um, prestigious race. What was it about Leadville that drew you in and attracted you for that to be your first target, your first goal in ultra? So one thing is that the history of it, it's um, it's one of the oldest. It's I think this summer will be the 40th year of it. Um, and there are many, I think maybe just Western states is older. And being in Colorado, um, like Leadville is the one, the one that you know about. And I wasn't too, like, I didn't know too much about the whole trail running world. So like Leadville was like one of the few hundred mile races I knew about, and it was close to home. And there was a reasonable path to gain entry into the race. So that's why I picked that. Yeah. It's so crazy. That's, I just, I have a lot of respect for, your ambition, your drive as a human to go from running normal marathons to say, listen, I'm going to go run a hundred mile race in the middle of the woods. And I think this is another thing people need to listen to or understand like a, a flat road, hundred miler is very, very different than Leadville 100. Leadville is one of the most incredibly challenging climbs. And I would love for you to talk more about the actual like technical side of the race. Cause what is the actual elevation you, you, you hit on uh, Leadville? So Leadville starts in uh, Leadville, Colorado, which is at 10,500 feet. Um, and then it's an out and back and includes sort of two big climbs. One's called Powerline and one the more famous one is Hope Pass. And Hope Pass gets up to 12,600 feet. So in addition to it being 100 miles in the mountains, you're not dealing with much oxygen um and over the course of the the 100 miles you gain and lose um about fifteen thousand feet it's, it's so crazy to me and it's hard it's hard for someone who hasn't experienced you know a glimpse of that to truly put themselves in your position and understand you know how challenging that is but that even just to run at that elevation the starting point is is very very challenging and, and obviously to make those climbs while also having to navigate, you know, the trail itself, fueling, pacing, racing, you know, all those things that come into a race. Um, it's it's incredibly challenging and super admirable what you've done. I want to know, before we talk about the actual races, that first summer when you committed and said, okay, I'm going to train for this. This is a goal of mine. I want to see what I can do in ultra. What did that training look like initially? And how did you kind of build up and prepare yourself for that first Leadville? So first, I there is a lottery for Leadville that anyone can enter, whether or not you've run an ultra before or not. But um, 
they're also qualifying races. So I picked, they had one in Austin, Texas that fall. And so it was a 40, about a 40 mile race. So first I decided I'll train for this, try and get uh, entry into Leadville there. Um, and so that was sort of a good entry point to like the trail ultras. Um, that race was, it didn't really go great, but it wasn't that competitive. And I ended up second and got entry into Leadville. So it was like mission accomplished. Um, but I didn't, I sort of bonked the last seven miles. So I wanted to do another race that um, sort of ended more positively. So I would have um, like a good ultra experience to fall back on once going into Leadville. So then I did the Antelope Island Buffalo Run 50 miler in March of 21. Um, and I won that and it was a much more positive experience, not just because I won, but I like measured my effort better and was like running hard at the end. Um, so that gave me a lot more confidence going into the summer training for Leadville. And it was, um, my training was like pretty similar to road marathon training. I just add in a bunch of elevation gain and loss and like running on trails and especially for Leadville, trying to get up really high in the mountains to sort of see what it feels like at 12,000 feet or at 10,000 feet. Yeah. So cool, man. Now with, with the training specifically, obviously I know a lot of runners say it's really important to simulate, you know, what the race will be like, you know, maybe the start time, different things you'll encounter, you know, were you training with those things in mind? Like, were you doing any type of night training or like just things to try to simulate the different experiences you would have throughout the Leadville race? So Leadville starts at 4 a.m., um, which that was something that I was pretty worried about. <laughs> um, just, I don't know, it's sort of like stressful to even get yourself to go to sleep, knowing you have to run 100 miles and knowing that you have to be <laughs> up at 2 a.m. Um, so there was that, and I tried to like a couple of weeks before started going to bed earlier and earlier and earlier and waking up earlier to prepare for that. But some things you just can't, um, you just can't prepare for like what your body is going to feel like 12 hours into a race without running for 12 hours and mm -hmm. going out on a 12 hour training run um, may not really, it probably, at least for me, like it could hurt, hurt, like the recovery from that would set me back more than the benefits of um like experiencing that so yeah you sort of just have to do what you can get as fit as possible and then just sort of hope that um your body reacts well in those like later hours of the race yeah no that makes a ton of sense now with the with the training block, as you got closer and closer to to Leadville, were you working with a coach or were you kind of programming and designing your own plan? And also, did you have training partners that were kind of working with you as well, or is this kind of a solo operation? Uh, I do have a coach, um, Andrew Upperson. He was actually he had never he was a college coach at CSU, uh, but he had never coached an ultra runner or trail runner or anything. So we sort of dove oh. into it together, which is kind of fun. Um, 
and I have, I wouldn't necessarily call them training partners, but I have like friends that I'll meet up with on runs. Um, and so they're not doing like the exact same training as me, but we can like fit in, especially like long runs on the weekends in the mountains. Um, it's definitely fun to have, have friends to go with. I'm I'm super curious as you're, when you're training, obviously the race, I'm sure you're, you're not really thinking much about it. When you're on a normal training day, running through the Colorado mountains by yourself, do you ever, do you ever get scared or like ever have any fear of animals or anything like that? Yes. Yeah, so we have, especially, so I live in Fort Collins. Um, and in the, like the foothills, they call them around here. They're definitely rattlesnakes, which are, those are the most scary to me because they're sneaky. Um, I don't know. I'll, every once in a while, I'll like something will like trigger it, and I'll be like, "Shoot, what if I see a bear?" And then I'll like read up on what you're supposed to do if you see a bear. Um, yeah, most things aren't like even we just have black bears, and they'll run away if you see them. Um, the only real thing, the rattlesnakes, um, but they don't. If you're like smart, they're probably not going to get you. And then mountain lions, but they're they're pretty. Um, they like to keep to themselves. So there's a little bit of worry, but um, none to keep me from doing it. You know, I mean, you're pretty fast too, so it'd be hard to catch you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I want to know um, as you approach the actual your first Leadville. I want to hear a little bit about the experience, the actual race itself, and and maybe like, was it exactly the way you anticipated it? Or were there things that you realized once you got in there that were just, you couldn't necessarily prepare for and you just had to kind of, you know, deal with like live during the race. I want to hear kind of about your experience. So I went in and my friend had said, you should shoot for 17 hours, um, which 17 hours is usually a top three finish and I trusted him but I also had no idea I mean the longest I'd raced was 50 miles and that's obviously a long ways off um and so I did have some people will go into these races and saying I just want to finish but I did have some sort of competitive goals going into it which I think for me as a competitive person like definitely helps um but I did not, I was not thinking about winning or um, I just wanted to do my own thing. And so there are a couple of guys in the race who had talked about going after the course record um, and they took off at the start and I tried not to worry about them. Um, but then I don't know, I actually had really bad, this has always been like my worst nightmare going into even a marathon is like stomach problems. Um, and I don't know, it wasn't what I was eating. Like I just didn't clear myself out before the race and starting it pretty soon in the race, like half marathon in, I was having these stomach problems and I kept having to step off the course. Um, and it was, like I said, my worst nightmare. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> And so luckily the race is so long that you can like take care of it and you're not like if it was a road marathon, like you spend five minutes or 10 minutes in the bathroom, then you're uh, like, that's a big, that's a lot of time. But 
and a hundred miles, it's not much. So I was sort of like worried about that all the way to mile 40. And then I found myself at Twin Lakes, the mile 48 station, and I was in third place. <laughs> um, and I didn't really know because I kept like stepping off and then I'd catch up to people and then I'd step off the trail again. Um, but yeah, I showed up mile 40, which is right before you go up Hope Pass for the first time, feeling like really good um, and in third place. And then leaving that aid station, I could see the second place runner off in the distance and he looked like he was struggling. Um, and so I'm like, all right, I'm going to get this guy going up Hope Pass. And I did. And at that point, I'm like, all right, I think Tyler, who was in first, he seemed like he had run a smart race. And so I just sort of conceded that he'd win and I'd get second and that would be really cool. Um, but then right after the first descent of Hope Pass, I caught him <laughs> and he was in pretty bad shape. Um, and so I passed him and sort of like flushed with all these like emotions, like, I can't believe I'm winning, winning the Leadville 100. Um, this is, this is crazy. I hope I don't screw it up. Um, and then at that point, it was like, I'm all in now. I have to, I have to sort of see what I can do in these, the second half of this race. And hopefully I can, I can run a hundred miles. Well, that's crazy, man. That's such a wild thing. And now yeah. you talk about, this is, this is super interesting to me. You talk about seeing the guy that's in second place and he looks like he's kind of struggling. How important is your body language and like the way you're carrying yourself for not only, you know, your own mind, but also the, the other competitors? Like, is this something that you're looking at and kind of gauging effort off of based on what people around you are, you know, doing or what they perceive to be doing? Yeah, definitely. So at um, Leadville's an out and back. So you see every single person in the race, um, you run against them in the the if you're leading like I am in the second half and especially like the people that are right behind you, you want to like put on a smile, like make sure your form looks good. And when, when they pass you, so they think, Oh, that guy looks good. There's no way I'm catching him. Um, yeah. And then when you do, you, when I pass someone, um, you definitely want to make it look like you're running easy and sort of, uh discourage them a little bit <laughs> so so fascinating dude that's so cool now with this first this first race you're you're going out obviously you had the you had the bathroom stuff you had the stomach issues but like you're starting to get in your groove and then you finally get in first place and you're winning this race not going you know going into this race having no ultra experience you're working with a coach who sounds like a great guy but has never trained someone for an ultra What's going through your head? I know you, you mentioned it briefly, but I want to hear a little bit more of like, are you like believing in yourself? Or are you just kind of like, look, I'm happy to be here. Like what, what are some of the thoughts that you're dealing with as you're trying to like, obviously, I guess, maintain a little bit of race strategy, but also just enjoy being kind of in that position. So I do, I have my friend, Nick Clark, who he was there crewing me and he, 
he had top three finishes at Leadville, top three finishes at Western States. Um, really like knows the course is like the back of his hand. Um, and he's sort of, well, not a coach, he's sort of a mentor. So I knew that if I had, if any issues did come up, I'd have him there to sort of help me solve them. And so he was sort of my security blanket. Um, but yeah, other than that, it was just, I don't know, when you sort of have like a magical day, like I had, you sort of, um, I don't know, I just sort of like forgot about all the pain. It's like, I just wanna win this race and I'm like feeling really good. And there are some doubts, but my body just feels so good that um, I think I can do it. So cool. <laughs> so you finish, you finish this race. What was your, what was your official time of the first Leadville that you won? That was 16 hours, 18 minutes, which was the, at the time, the fifth, fifth fastest on the course. And at, at this point, you're just like, what kind of emotions are going through your head once you actually cross and it's official that you won this race? Yeah, I was sort of, I mean, even though I was winning the last, 50 miles and had some time to process it. It's still like, it was sort of like a dreamlike day. And um, yeah, then you finish and they shove a microphone in my face and I didn't know what to say. Um, Cause it was just hard to, to like process it all. Like it was never a goal of mine to win, really to win that race. Um, and yeah, I was like throughout that no one knew who I was going into it. And then um, it, I sort of like blew up from that, um, like just throughout the day, like by the end of the day, everyone was cheering for me. Um, yeah, it was just so much like beyond my wildest dreams. Um, so what, what happened was across the finish line, pop the champagne, they try and interview me. Um, but then I got like really sick. Like I couldn't, like it was just breathing normally was making me nauseous. Wow. Um, so then I went to the med tent um, and sort of, even though I felt like really crummy, I had this like nice, like peaceful moment in, in the medical tent with my crew and my, my parents were there. Um, and so that's what I, sort of like cherish most about that first finish was like spending that time with my friends and family in the the medical tent with oxygen up my nose and <laughs> yeah dang that is so crazy man and then i'm i'm curious because i i just obviously I'm not not comparing this to you at all i just ran a 50 miler a couple of weeks ago in san francisco and um it was like the recovery process, dude, afterwards, my body was beat up and I, I didn't, I haven't shared a ton of it on social media, but I did end up getting kind of like a pretty solid Achilles strain that I'm still kind of dealing with. It's been nagging. That's part of the reason I, you know, I was limited to HBLT, but okay. what did that recovery process look like for you post Leadville number one? Like how long does it take for your body to fully get back intact? And, and how long do you have to truly rest to, to recover? So I took, um, I mean, that I finished at, I think it was about eight, 
8 18 p.m um and people are like oh that's nice that you get to go sleep while everyone else is is out running because people run you have up to 30 hours um and most people run through the night but with all the like adrenaline and excitement in addition to like i was just physical pain like i can't sleep um that the night of the race um so i do experience the sleep deprivation that everyone else does um and then i won't run for a week after the race um i don't think i i should have but i I don't think after the first Leadville I did, but now I'll like go in and get a massage um, a couple of days after. Like my legs swell up. It's like um, not directly, but like a few days after, like my ankle, like sort of like after you've flown on a long airplane, like yeah. your knees and ankle really swollen. Um, and then, yeah, it's probably so the week of zero running and then a few like three or or four weeks depending on when my next like goal race is um yeah like a month or a month and a half of just easy running um which for me is like 40 to 60 miles a week <laughs> yeah that's, that's so wild dude that's like three times four times as much as a normal person but that's so cool that's crazy man it's super super fascinating when when was the point where you're like I'm running it back. I want another one. Was it right after the race or did you take some time to just kind of appreciate and unwind or how soon after did you make that recommitment to say, look, I'm going, I'm going again. So I did Leadville was at the end of August. And then after that, I, I ran this race in February uh, 22, which was a, an attempt to get into Western States 100 um, and that race didn't go well. So it was right after, probably during that race when I knew that I wasn't going to get one of the three spots that I uh, decided that I was going to go back to Leadville. And I sort of, I don't know, I think maybe one of the reasons that I didn't do well in that race was that I kind of wanted to go back to Leadville anyway. So that yeah, I think that may, there may have been something like in the back of my head that, um, like, cause I wanted to go back to Leadville, kept me from performing really well at that, that race, which was the Black Canyon 100K. Yeah, that's crazy. So you make that commitment to, uh, you know, after dealing with that, that rougher race, but then you make the commitment to say, look, I'm going to dial in, I'm going back to Leadville and I'm going to, I'm going to see what I got. And that's when you, you, one obviously again spoiler alert you won again but you had a faster time that's when you knocked in um third on the third on the chart and that's that's kind of been your most recent big big race yeah um yeah so i i went back i obviously wanted to win again and i wanted to run faster i didn't want to get I, so the course record at leadville has been around almost 20 years so i had that in the back of my head um, and then running under 16 hours was also another goal. Um, and neither of those sort of worked out on the day, but I did run a bit faster and, and won again. And I guess with that one, sort of after winning the first Leadville, like that's when I got sponsorships and sort of became a professional athlete. 
Um, and I had a documentary being made about me at the second Leadville. So there were these sort of added pressures um, that I also wanted. So I wanted to perform well for my sponsors and perform well um, so that this documentary came out cool. Um, and just after having that bad race in February, I wanted to like prove to myself that um, I could do it again. Totally. That's so cool, man. <laughs> it's so cool to just hear your side of it. And, you know, obviously people that are listening, they can get a little glimpse of your your personality and everything, but getting to spend time with you at HBLT and in Denver. It's just like, it's, it's what's amazing to me is you've had so much success in some of the most prestigious races in the country. And you carry yourself with so much humility and just like this, like level head. And just like, it's just, it's just so cool to see, you know, you've done these things, but you're also, you know, the person you are and yeah, just like hungry to, to achieve success, but also, you know, chip away at it and work hard at it. It's super cool. Thank you. Yeah. And I mean, I think some of that comes from, like, I was never like on a path to be a professional athlete or win these big races. And I was always just doing the sport because I, I loved it. And, um, I still, I still do love it. Um, so like some things have changed, but I'm still like the same guy doing these things. Cause I, I just love to do it. And I love the other people that do it. I love it, dude. I think it's super, super cool. And it's, it's really exciting when someone's found their thing, like what drives them there, what, what inspires them, what's, you know, motivating them to, to continue to push and work. And obviously it sounds like you found, you know, something that you really enjoy. So it's, it's super cool. I want to talk to you about mindset because obviously with this show, it's been great. We've had on a ton of really successful people in their perspective fields, but I think there's a common theme that, you know, high performers, people with a lot of ambition that are achieving success have a very, um, you know, a very strong mindset. You know, you talk about, and this is interesting when Brian asked you this at HBLT, I want you to kind of start here and we can kind of explore this, but what are you thinking about? What is your mindset while running? Um, and, and what does that kind of look like for you? So I think you wanted, want me to talk about my toothbrushing comment. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like a lot of the time, like people are always asking me like what I'm, I'm thinking about when I'm running. And like, sometimes I'll think about like other stuff that's going on, but a lot of the time it is just like focusing on like actual running and how my body feels. Um, like sometimes it is like very boring and it's just like, I'm not running in an exciting place and I just need to do it. Cause that's um, like, that's the training. That's what's going to get me better. Um, and so where I think that most comes out is like, sometimes I'll do, two runs a day and the second run it's just like a half hour or so like four miles and I usually do the same route and it's kind of boring and I'm usually doing it at the end of the day and I'm by myself um and I liken it to like brushing your teeth before bed um like you just gotta you gotta do it it's not there's no like glamour in it um but you want nice looking teeth. Um, 
<laughs> and like I want the fitness. So, so I do it. Um, and there's actually like similar, like, I think those like <clears throat> level runs, they like prepare you for like in my second level at halfway, I was, um, I was sort of had this like down moment where I'm like, I, I'm not feeling good. And I don't think I'm going to run as fast as I want to do today. And like, I wanted to run the second half in eight hours and it could take me 12 hours or longer. Um, but I never thought that I wouldn't do it. It was always just like, all right, you just have to do this, um, and get it done. Like I've done it every, all these double runs that I've done over the years, like I've, I've done it. It wasn't glamorous, but, um, like it's what I do. I run. Um, so you can, I can run these last 50 miles. Um, and eventually I like turned my, my body started feeling good again. And, um, I was able to like switch back into race mode and, um, actually run pretty hard the last 50 miles. Yeah. That's super, it's super interesting, man. I, I think everyone, you know, everyone has a slightly different answer and, and shares different things that they work through, but it sounds to me like obviously you put in an insane amount of time, very serious, rigorous training to prepare for these races. So when you are racing, your your mind's able to just think about being present in the moment. You know, how are you feeling? What's going on? But what you said there, and I wanna I wanna make sure you're I'm I'm on the same page is like if you are going through a tough time where maybe your body's not feeling good or pace could be off a bit you're kind of relying on the work you've put in and that's what kind of assures the confidence in your mind to keep pushing is that is that kind of the way you break it down yeah that uh yeah you have to trust what you've done and also um like the training puts you in these like situations um so that when you are there on race day um you're like, oh, I've been in this like situation where I didn't feel good and then I felt good later. Um, so I just have to keep going and um, things will turn around. 100%. How have you seen your running, your commitment there, the mindset, everything that you put into this translate and affect other areas of your life as well? So it's it's definitely given me more confidence as a as like a person in general. Um, so when I, I don't know, like when I go to a new place now, I'm more willing to like reach out to someone that I know is a runner there that I may not have met before to like, Hey, we should meet up for a run. Um, which I might not have done previously, or someone will reach out to me and say like, Hey, if you're ever in the area, um, we should meet up and, Maybe in the past I wouldn't have done that because I thought I would have thought like, yeah, they're just being nice. But um yeah, like I definitely have like that confidence to sort of go out there and meet more people, um, which is exciting. Like it's cool to meet more people and to like be able to go somewhere new and uh make new friends. Yeah. No, that makes a ton of sense. <clears throat> it's uh it's cool to see how you know, doing hard things, challenging yourself, getting out of your comfort zone consistently can really help you grow. And I think that goes for anyone listening too. it's like, that's a big thing we always talk about. It's like, are you willing? Do you like, how bad do you want? It? Like, do you really want to grow? Do you really want to be the best you can be? 
if that's the case, then your actions should follow that. And you should be constantly pushing yourself and, you know, whether it's physically, mentally, maybe it's mentally, maybe it's, I'm going to read more books or I'm going to do something that just is outside of what's comfortable for me. That's where you see a lot of growth. And it sounds like, you know, you've been able to see growth through running, but it's applied and, and helped you get out of comfort zones and other social situations or other pieces of your life as well. Yeah, definitely. And I also think, um, I don't know, like right now, my, like I do have a day job, but my, I'm mostly focused on the running. Like that's what inspires me and what I'm passionate about. Um, and I think sort of finding the success has also, I don't know, it's like given me this idea, like once I am done running, I think I'll be able to like transfer that into something else and like find something else that I can be really good at. And I, I don't think I had that confidence before I mm. found this success in um, hundred mile races. So cool, man. That's so cool. I want to know as we wrap this up, what is on the radar for you? What's coming up? I know you talked about before we start recording a race this weekend um, and then some other stuff down the road. What is, what's on the docket for you, man? So this weekend, I'm sort of opening up my, season running a road half marathon here in Fort Collins it's called the horse tooth half it's on the roads but but it's still it starts out with a 700 foot climb over the first two miles um so it's still pretty hilly and then next month May 12th I'm going to Argentina to race um it's 125k which is about just under 80 miles. It's part of the UTMB World Series. Um, and then the big goal for this year is UTMB Ultra Trail Mount Blanc, which is a um, hundred mile race in starts in Chamonix in France, uh, September 1st. And it's sort of, um, it's like the most prestigious hundred mile race in Europe. So I'm not going back to Leadville, but um, this year, but <laughs> uh -oh. is, um, I'm really excited about um, competing there. It's amazing, man. Now you, uh, yeah, you said, <laughs> I'm trying to process, you said this year. So there's, there's, there could be um a sighting of you at leadville on a, on a future year but this year this is the main focus this this race in france yeah yeah i'll definitely go back to leadville i don't know when but um i do have my eyes on that course record i love it i love it man this has been such a fun episode i literally i can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing your mindset your training your experiences it's super super fascinating and i just i never want to take it for granted this this podcast has been fun to meet so many people but hopefully these conversations and these guests that we have on really do inspire the people listening to go out there and push themselves and you know take on hard challenges and take on things that you know maybe you don't even believe you can do at first but over time your your confidence can come from the work you put in but Adrian, dude, I'm so pumped for you, man. I can't wait to see you keep crushing all these goals, man. And I just really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. And like you were just saying, um, sometimes you just need to try something new and you'll be really, really good at it. Um, 
that's what happened to me. So yes, Kevin, it's been fun chatting with you. Thank you so much, man. This has been great. Thank you guys so much for listening to another great episode of the AIM podcast. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation. And if you found value in it, I ask that you kindly share this with a friend. We want to continue to grow this community and help more and more people every single day. If you have any questions for me, if I can ever help you anyway, please reach out to me at Doug Elks on all social. I'd be happy to help you out. Let's get after this week. Let's crush it. And as always, keep ambition in mind.